This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. I recently became a brand ambassador for them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They out a 0 to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or bad deal. Green means good and red means bad. Plus, my listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with my promo code Devil State of Mind. Again, my promo code is Devil State of Mind. Click the link in our social medias on our link tree to download the app and remember to use our promo code devil state of mind click the link in my profile slash description of anything that i have i'll have it on all of my links and once again shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing app of the devil state of mind podcast and what is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, and as always, I really thank you a lot for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I think I just checked recently. I think we've just reached over 35,000 downloads. It's like kind of in like the whole history of the podcast, which is really crazy to think about considering that I've only been doing it since 2020. But as always, guys, I really thank thank you so much for, for you know, spending time out of, you know, out of your day to listen to these episodes. And guys, I got a really, really big announcement to make this upcoming Friday, the 8th. You don't want to miss out. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Devil State. Nope, not calling it the other thing that it's called now. Going to still call it Twitter. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And also, while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook if you just still happen to have a Facebook at this point. Um, and you can also check us out over on Threads. Um, as well, which I don't know if people are still using threads. I feel like threads has just completely died at this point. But nonetheless, nonetheless, make sure you guys go check it out. But Devils fans, we have another special guest joining us here on this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast, season four, episode 88. And this guy I've been interacting with for almost a year. And he's a really, really good friend of mine. I love interacting with him. He currently is a Carolina Hurricanes writer for the Hockey Writers and also the host of the brand new Running with the Devils podcast. It's already gotten two episodes out. Highly recommend you go check it out. It's with great pleasure to welcome on my good friend, Mr. Tommy Bennett. Tommy, welcome to the Devil State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. This weather's not fun, but I'm doing good. It's it's almost the end of the week. I knocked out my fifth fantasy football draft, and now I'm just kind of ready for hockey season. This football stuff is cool, but yeah. I'm ready for hockey. I'm ready for Devils hockey. I'm just I'm kind of ready for the next sport. Baseball's almost done, so right. 
I no, I, I totally, I totally get that. So say somebody shared something on Instagram that said the great thing about the start of football is it just means that hockey season is right around the corner, and that's exactly correct. I mean, we are at the time of this recording, Devils fans, we are a week away from rookies reporting to rookie camp. I saw and, that Amanda Stein put that out. I was like, yeah. wow, like they, that that flew. You know, I know. Like, it time you know, flies when you're having time flies when you're having fun. And it's gonna be 100%. you know things are gonna ramp up, guys. A lot of content. There's obviously a lot more outlets for you guys to check out Devil's content, not just here on Devil's State of Mind, but also over at Running with the Devils and so much more. There's so much coverage. It's it's great and it's gonna be we all hope to be a very exciting season of New Jersey Devils hockey coming up in just a little bit. But, but Tommy, I want to start with looking back one more time. I'm, just, I'm only doing this one more time. Looking back <laughs> on last season, 2022-23, and if there was one word that you would use to describe the entire season from start to finish, what would be that word? I, I'm going to have to go with unbelievable. Uh, I think, like, the way it started – you know, you, you you have the opener in Philly, which is a game you should have won, and then you lose. Blackwood didn't look good. And then you come home to Detroit, and Vanacek doesn't look good. And you nope. just – you hear the boo birds, and it's just like, are we really in for – you don't overreact. The fire Lindy chance. You don't overreact after two games, but at the same time, you're like, all right, this is the year where like we're supposed to have better goaltending. The, the bar was so low as it was. I mean, they used seven different goalies. None of them had a positive goal saved above expected. So it's like the bar is already so low. And they right. already were they allowed what eleven goals the first two games. Yeah. You got you got the fire Lindy, then you got the sorry Lindy, and then the team just goes on this historic run and they accomplished so many things, not even just as a team of just beating franchise records and setting franchise record setting points, but you saw individual milestones that some of them I had to look back and I'm like, like they like, he really broke that. Like not so much the Jack Hughes one. Like that was amazing. Like I remember when Patrick Elias did it and I remember when Parise did it. But Dougie Hamilton breaking the points record, even I was like, really? Like, even over like Niedemeyer and like maybe like <laughs> Rafalski. And I'm like, I can't believe that happened. But it's just an unbelievable year. And I think it's just you're finally seeing the the patience mantra finally come through. And I know it's so hard to be patient given the the trajectory. It's like Lou left Shiro a pile of crap. And yeah. then Shiro just didn't really do much with that. And then you have Fitzgerald and it's just like the rebuild never was ending. Right. And then it's like, you're finally starting to see like all these guys are really pulling it together. And it was just truly an unbelievable year. They gained a lot of valuable experience. And I think like you're, you're just getting started. Like, I don't think this was like a fluke year. And it's like, Oh, the devils are, they had a good year. It's like, nah, this is just the start of something special for this team that's really been just brutal for a decade. I mean, but yeah, unbelievable is probably the word I would, I would use. I think that's a word that a lot of devil's fans have used. I mean, I know for myself, the word that comes to mind is unreal, which I mean, obviously is very similar to the word unbelievable just because when you went into the season, I think it's fair to say the hope was we would just, get into the playoffs and maybe win a game or two and and, and at least yeah. finally get out of the talk of we're in a rebuild to, okay, now we can take that next step towards competing. And the Devils blew every expectation out the door. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't just blow it up. They kicked it wide open and they went into the playoffs with the mindset that they wanted to make some noise. And they did that seven game series against the Rangers was <laughs> one that many, uh, Many Devils fans will never forget, and it's just the beginning. I've told many Devils fans, this is just the beginning of what could Mm -hmm. be an incredibly special era of New Jersey Devils hockey. And obviously, I don't want to get ahead of myself, and nobody should really get ahead of themselves. You know, we still have, obviously, you know, things are, you know, we're going to have to go through some, some trials and tribulations, especially this year with some new guys in the lineup and everything. And obviously, the expectations are much higher 
they were the year before, but I think it was a really, really good start. And so overall, a lot, a lot to build off of from last season. And now you look at this off season and Tommy, I was listening to, um, I was listening to your first episode, which again, go check out running with the devils. If you have not yet, highly recommend it. Um, And the, the big thing is this, the, the, the constant, um, outlook of the Devils from most media members is the Devils obviously added to their top six by acquiring Tyler Toffoli for Yegor Sharangovich in a third round pick. Uh, they brought in some guys like Colin Miller, a veteran guy on the back end. They also uh, brought in Chris Tierney and Tomas Nosek. And, you know, they still, you know, they bring in some veteran guys that are compete for very few spots on both the offensive and defensive side. But the one area that continues to be the talk of everything in New Jersey is the goaltending position and the uncertainty that still is Vitek Vanacek and, to a lesser extent, Akira Schmid. And so I want to get your take on, do you feel, because I personally feel that the Devils are fine with where they are right now, but are you disappointed or, you know, what what feeling do you have um, with the Devils not really doing much of anything when it comes to between the uh, between the pipes. So, I mean, you hear the rumblings of like Connor Hellebuck, and I'm just going to put it out there that trade is probably not going to happen for many reasons. Uh, they're probably looking. I mean, because as you've seen, they they part of ways with Wheeler. Shifley's. It's just a matter of time. You've, they already shipped off Dubois and got a really nice haul back for that. So they're not going to trade a goaltender that is a Vesna caliber goaltender for pennies on the dollar. And then right. if he really wants Bobrovsky type money or Vasilevsky type money, Tom Fitzgerald's not going to do that given what he did. And you have to give him credit. I mean, it, it to get all your core guys for like under $9 million is very absurd because if you look around the league, a lot of the star players, they're getting paid double digit figures. And right. I know he sure when he signed at the time and Hughes before he popped off for 99, you know, so it works, but between the pipes, it's, there's really not much out there either. Right. Like, do you take a flyer on John Gibson? Like that poor guy suffered in front of arguably one of the most piss poor defensively structured teams alive. I mean, I think they averaged almost 40 shots a game. And I know in February he had like three fifty save performances, which is at some point you just get tired of that. So I think his numbers are really flawed, but I think in front of a better team, he would be well, he has term on his deal, but then again, I don't know what Anaheim would want. They could probably get something for him, but there's nothing else. I was going to say it's a high AAV of just over six for the next couple of years. So it's, it's a little, di- it's a lot different with Gibson as opposed to Hellebuck because Hellebuck could be considered a one year rental, whereas you're acquiring Gibson for the next two or three years. And yeah. I would imagine that someone like VTech would probably go the other way to make the yeah, money work. And, yeah. you know, there's no spot at that point. For a guy like VTech, if you're going that route with with John Gibson, maybe you probably it's this. I think it's fair to say that with Hellebuck, it's the same thing. Probably. I, I mean, it's the goaltending's been an issue, and I read your article, and it was a great article about Corey Schneider. I mean, that guy, like he really no seriously, like he really was. Like Corey Schneider was a very good goaltender. He had a piss poor team in front of him. And mm-hmm. by the time it was all said and done for Corey Schneider, I mean, like he was past his prime. There was nothing else he can do. But I don't think Vitek's a bad goalie. I think he, 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 like the rest of the team, had a career year. He was very stable in his young career. He had a positive goal save above expected. Then he gets in the playoffs, and it's a different story. Like the whole, the whole point before getting Vitek anyway was. This team really was a goaltender away, and it's true. I mean, if you actually look at their metrics at five on five, the Devils were a very good team the year before. They just right. couldn't. They just couldn't keep the puck out of the net. They can score seven goals a game, but they're going to let right. eight. You know, right. so it's like you had this whole mantra of the Devils are a goaltender away. You get VTech in, you know, in a nice trade with with Washington, and he plays well, gets to the playoffs, and it 
didn't go well. And then Akira Schmid has just been everything you can ask for. If he had to step in, he stepped in well. Right. I think you give Vitek a chance. You just give him the season. And yeah. if things aren't going super well by the deadline, like the Devils are still in a good spot. They're they're top three in the division. They're going to make the playoffs. But is Vitek the guy? Do his numbers back his play? Could the Devils use reinforcements in net? If you're going to go all out and get a goaltender, you, you call Barry Trotz. Call, see, see what he'll part with UC Soros. If you're going to have to give up money for a goaltender, you might as well give it up for him if you're going to have to give up assets and prospects. Right. Because giving up all that ammunition for a goaltender like Hellebuck, who's in his 30s, wants a nice lucrative payday, mm-hmm. he already makes six and he wants more. Unless his price tag drops, I don't think it. I don't think you have to go all in on one year to like win a championship when the core of this group is locked in for the next decade, the rest of this decade for the most part. So it's give Vitek a chance, give Akira Schmid a look. I mean, he's at least earned it. Mm-hmm. I mean, without Schmid, I don't think they win the Rangers series. Right. Because he went toe-to-toe with Shostarkin. I mean, that's not exactly an easy thing to do, and he did it, and he did it well, and he gave the Devils a chance to win. I mean, obviously the Carolina series went a different way, but I think you give you give both goaltenders a chance to open the year, and you just kind of reevaluate it at the deadline. Maybe teams drop their prices, but there really wasn't awesome. anything out there this summer either, though. Yeah. Honestly, there really wasn't. I mean, what are you going to do? Bring in Semyon Varlamov? Like that's not helping you, right? I think I think it's fair to say that the Devils probably did about as much as they could have done um, reasonably when it came to the goaltending position. Mm-hmm. I, I understand where people are coming from with you know looking at it and saying the Devils are still maybe a quote-unquote franchise goaltender away. See, now it seems the wording has changed from they are a goalie away to now they are a franchise goalie away. And I think when you look at everything, you have to understand – we all have to understand that Vitek for last season, that was the most games he has played in his still very young career. Yep. And while he hasn't played many games in the playoffs, his small body of work is not great, and it does give you cause for concern. I did write an article not too long ago for the Hockey Writers talking about how I believe that VTech is going to bounce back, and I think he's going to be mm-hmm. better than advertised. And especially when you look at the team in front of him, I think he's going to get that support. Um, and then when you look at Akira Schmid, I know it was reported earlier this summer by Darren Dreger that the Devils would – prefer that Akira Schmid start the year in Utica. And the thing is, is that if that's the way you want to go, well, right now you don't really have, you haven't given yourselves much of any other options in terms of a veteran guy. Now we have known to see Tom Fitzgerald bring in a PTO or two. Uh, there's a guy like potentially Yaroslav Halak. I was just about to say be, that. He seems to be the guy that, makes the most sense from a PTO perspective. It, it would be interesting to see what the Devils would do. I mean, granted, they still have a little bit of time before mm-hmm. uh, training camp really kind of gets underway and everybody gets uh, to New Jersey. Um, so obviously we'll keep an eye on that. But I think if the Devils, I mean, I've said this numerous times throughout the offseason, if the Devils were to continue with Akira Schmid and Vitek Vanacek, I don't think it's as uh, nerve-wracking as some people might look at. Now, once the season gets underway, if things are not going the way that we are hoping mm-hmm. and expecting, then obviously Tom Fitzgerald is going to make changes. He's going to do the best thing for this team. He's done it time and time again. So yeah. I have all the faith in the world that he will. It's just a matter of these guys need to be given another fair chance. Now, it is true that the Devils did reach out to Winnipeg at least twice about Connor Hellebuck. And from what we were told... The asking price, whatever it was, was it's too bad. much. It's, it's a lot. Was, was just too much. And I think that, I think had Pierre-Luc Dubois not gotten back the return that he did, maybe things would be easier for New Jersey. I don't know. And I think that it's still a possibility down the road that maybe the Devils could go after him, whether it's 
through a trade or maybe even free agency. We have to remember the Devils have just over $20 million in cap space before any extensions or anything else next offseason. So they'll have a lot of money to you know go out and do something like getting someone as a goaltender in free agency if that's the route they decide to take. But we have to wait and see how the season begins. We're, we're, it's September 6th, ladies and gentlemen, or September 7th if you're listening to this on Thursday. The season hasn't even started yet, so we you have actually, to wait and see. You you made a really, really good point, and I, I kind of didn't even think about it, but it's like if if Schmid really does go to Utica, there's nobody to back up VTech. Like, what do right. you do? Like, Because Nico do? Dawes is guy? out. I was going to say Nico Dawes is out till at least Christmas time. Um, Calgren, and Calgren's not Calgren. like – like Schmid is more NHL ready than he is. Right. So it's like, why would you set yourself back further? You know, like you didn't qualify Blackwood. So it's like you moved on from that experiment. So it's like, why would you dig yourself a deeper hole? So, yeah. So it's, it's, we have to, we have to see where things go with that. I I think that, I think talk is cheap. I think at this point we got to see it. And I think, and we're going to see it very soon when, when training camp gets underway. So Kind of shifting to, you know, kind of going back to, you know, I mentioned very briefly about, you know, some of the moves that Tom Fitzgerald made, particularly the, the big one that comes out. And no, it's not talking about Tomas Nosek, according to the Daily Faceoff. <laughs> it's not that one. Um, it's got to be, we got <laughs> to talk about uh, Tyler Toffoli because he's going to be a guy that's going to have a lot of eyes on him. Because he's, you know, big time guy coming in, coming off a career year, 34 goals last season. Um, he has one year left on his contract. And based off of what we heard briefly from Tom Fitzgerald and Tyler Toffoli, it sounds like there could already be mutual interest in extending him or at least keeping him beyond this upcoming season. Now, I think Tom Fitzgerald and Toffoli are going to wait see how Toffoli gets along with the team and the organization and playing for playing back on the East Coast and things mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, there's going to be no decision-making on that anytime soon. But you look at the addition of Tyler Toffoli, it clearly makes the Devils' top six, one of the top, you know, in the NHL. It makes their top nine just in general much deeper and much more, you know, much more score heavy. And I've mentioned before that Toffoli is a finisher, something the Devils don't have a lot of when you look at the players that we have. I know that a lot of guys are very talented. Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Brat, Timo. These guys could score, but they're not finishers per se. Tyler Toffoli is a finisher. So, Tommy, what are you looking at and what are your expectations for Tyler Toffoli in his uh, as he gets ready to make his New Jersey Devils debut? I love Tyler Toffoli. I'm going to first say that. I, I've loved him back when he was an L.A. King. Uh, looking back at that 2014 Cup run, like he he was like one of those players that stood out to me the most. Like I know that team was a wagon, and they were loaded, and they had so much depth on that team. But he was, as a rookie, he he was he was just a watchable player, and he's been that way his whole career. I think you're seeing – Jack Hughes will have somebody to play with that's a legitimate winger. I'm not throwing shade at like a guy like Dawson Mercer or or anybody else, but it's just like it gives Jack Hughes the ability to do Jack Hughes things, but he he'll be able to find somebody or have that person find him. You right. know, I think I mean I might I, I might, you know, someone might rip me apart in the comments for saying this, but like if I have to see Eric Halla on the second line with Jack Hughes at any given point next season, I might throw my phone at the TV. That it's going to happen whether you like it or not. At some that point, it will happen. Drives me absolutely insane because. But Jack Hughes is a big Eric Halla guy, though. I mean, that's fine. Like we're all Eric Halla guys, and I'm not saying Eric Halla is a bad player. I think Eric Halla is perfectly suited to center the third line. If you give Jack Hughes the just let him center. I understand he's not like the greatest at faceoffs. Whatever the reason may be that Jack Hughes lined up on the wing and Hollow is the center, whatever. But put Hughes at center and you got Toffoli on one side, Dawson Mercer on the other. I think it's just you're going to see so much production just from that line. It gives Jack Hughes 
who's also a goal scorer, but as a premier passer, someone that can just bury the puck and be a legit finisher, like you said. And I think he's going to make the power play better, which seemed to struggle a little bit, especially given the firepower the Devils have. But it gives the Devils a legitimate second-line scoring winger. And it's and he got it for a bag of rocks and some pebbles. I mean, he used the third pick that he got in the Severson trade and traded Sharon Govich for Tyler Toffoli. Now, I, I don't think they should rush into an extension only because he just came off a career year. Right. See how everything goes. But, yeah, locking him up short term, you know, this is probably where he's going to finish his career, I'd say, unless he chooses to test free agency. But Which he could. Yeah, I, have, I have really high expectations for Tyler Toffoli. That gives the Devils another 30-goal yeah. scorer and another 70-point producer, God willing that. And they're also just the, an offensive – team that's good at generating goals just got more lethal i mean they had the highest yeah. expected goals in the league last year with 209 that was that was better than carolina who was arguably just as effective as a team at five on five it was just on it's just unreal so getting to foley is a huge boost across the board yeah, for sure. It's uh, It was definitely an exciting move when Tom Fitzgerald pulled the trigger on that. He he took advantage of an opportunity, you know, with Toffoli mentioning, I think, a day or two earlier that he had no intentions of staying in Calgary once his contract uh, was up. So the Devils saw an opportunity to, you know, bring someone in who has championship experience, uh, leadership experience. He was the captain of Team Canada at the World Championships just this past year. A guy who has been through it, has been successful in, in Final runs, not just in 2014, but go back to just 20, 2021 when he helped Montreal make that miracle run to the cup mm-hmm. final. I mean, there, you know, he's been through a lot of it. And I think it's going to be important, not just on the ice, but off the ice. So it'll be very exciting to see what Tyler Toffoli can bring to this team. Even if he's a 20 to 25 goal scorer on this team, I still That's think still, he can, yeah. he's still going to be very, very productive. And so, the last thing in terms of the forwards that I want to talk about is roughly I would say that there's about one, maybe two spots available on the bottom six. Mm-hmm. Definitely there's one on the third line. That oh, is a yeah. big question mark on that right side because mm-hmm. most likely Andre Pilat's going to be on that left wing third mm-hmm. line, which having Andre Pilat on the third line is is ridiculous. And then having Eric Halla, you know, God forbid, playing at the center position on the third <laughs> line, um, which, again, I think it works very well for him. Yeah. Um, there is that right winger position or left wing, depending on how you want to play it, although I think Pilat needs to play on the left side at all times. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of guys that – at least two young guys and two mm-hmm. guys that I think outside of the organization, one is a PTO, one is a bombshell free agent move that the Devils could – potentially used to fill that that third line spot and the guys I'm thinking of are Alexander Holtz and mm-hmm. Nolan Foot. definitely those two guys come to mind when it comes to uh competing for that spot and then this is an interesting one and I want to get your take on both of these outside players sure. one is uh Phil Kessel because Phil Kessel just said earlier this week that he would be willing to go to a team and lose his Ironman streak if it meant he could still play, if he can be on a team. Now, the Devils have just under $2 million in cap space, mm-hmm. so they could sign him to a veteran's minimum, yeah, or they could make him a PTO, which would not necessarily be that bad of a move if you're going for a guy like Phil Kessel, who, even at his age, is still considered to be somewhat of a goal scorer. And having mm-hmm. him on the third line may, may make the bottom nine, the top nine, excuse me, that much stronger. And then the big one that just came out about a couple days ago was, or literally last week, is Patrick Kane. And because his name came up, his name has come up several times, but recently he he was in an interview for uh, the, the Associated Press and said that he feels really good and that he might actually be on track to be ready to go prior to his timeline, which was expected to be between October and December probably leaning more towards the December mm-hmm. time frame because according to him, he wants to be quote 150% and not 90%. So he wants, mm-hmm. and he feels good about it. And um, you know, the devils were mentioned as a destination earlier in the off season. 
it's something that uh, people have asked me several times over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll give my opinion on him uh, as well as everybody else after you. But starting with the two young guys and then work your way with Kessel and then Kane, what are your thoughts on that that third line of you know right wing position? So I did a I did an article recently for Primetime Productions, and I talked about just how it's it's like there's a, there's a clear opportunity right in front, and it's for Alexander Holtz to take. Like he was taking the same draft year, the same the same first round as Dawson Mercer, right? And look at Dawson Mercer. Like is he is he wowing you on the stat sheet? Maybe not, but he's a guy who scored twenty plus goals. And he's given you what forty points both back to back years, roughly. Yeah, more or less. I mean, yeah. So you're getting you're it's a, it's a player that was taking multiple selections after, and he's really made a case for himself. But this is the year for Alexander Holtz to take that next step. There's a vacant spot. Like you've shown what you can do in Utica. Like you're a point per game player in the AHL. You were a point per game player in both playoffs. You were a point per game player. Right. Both regular seasons that you were down there and that's great but you need to transfer that to the devils and i'm like i i don't think he should be buried on the fourth line like playing with michael mcleod and nathan bastion isn't going to help his cause if the devils really need a solid look at him play him on jack hughes's line just to see what you have if not, play him on the third with Hall and Palat. Those are at least two veterans that are very capable of generating offense. It would complement what Holtz can do and give him the open space he needs to score goals. Right. But I think this is the year where he needs to take that step and seize that opportunity. I think there's almost no reason why he can't. Mm-hmm. And if he can't, that it kind of makes you wonder, do you use him as a trade chip, you know? See what you can get. Maybe a change of scenery, maybe a different coach. I, who knows? It should but be mentioned, like, by the way. It should just be mentioned really quickly, Tommy, that sure. uh, Alexander Holtz has another year after this on his contract. So that could make him even more enticing to others if he becomes a trade chip, that you wouldn't have to yeah. trade for him and then immediately sign him to a new contract. You could yeah. trade for him as a one-year trial period yeah. and then go into – and then – kind of go from there that might make it more intriguing to buyers if the devils do go down that route with holtz and then i think like too like nolan foot's another good one like just these young guys that can kind of just come in and i think graham clark is another one i think he has a legitimate chance too like i almost think he has a he has almost a better chance or a better case than holtz does that's in my opinion. Hmm. I think he's almost just as good, if not maybe a step ahead. It really just entirely depends what, but I think it's Holtz's spot to lose hmm. per se. Um, Cause the fourth line, it's that's, that's another one. Like another one that we don't talk about is like, was Michael McLeod part of the team Canada thing? Like, is he going to get suspended? Like, if he still, does, we're then, still waiting on the decision, by the way. At the time of this recording, we're still waiting on the final decision. I think that they determined – I think the investigation came out and they said that they determined who the players are, but that they haven't released Yeah, there, there's the no information. information like who – I think they're working on maybe the suspensions and things like that. They might be working out the details of it So all. it's like you don't know if McLeod was part of it. You don't know if he wasn't. Again, like we'll wait. To obviously to see like if if like he was one of them or not but it's like if he is it's like okay now you shuffle your entire fourth line like Nosek right. probably s- steps in as the center Bastion will take a wing and then there's open up another spot you got Tierney Lazar <laughs> like the list right. just kind of goes on and on for those but I think that third spot is really meant for a younger guy and that's going to be the highlight of training camp. And I think it's Alexander Holtz's to lose. Yeah, I mean, Alexander Holtz is continuing to be probably the most intriguing, if not one of the most intriguing storylines going into camp because according to NJ.com, our, our good friend Ryan Novozinski over at NJ.com, the Devils told Alexander Holtz in his exit interview that 
this upcoming training camp was a make it or break it year for him that he needed yeah. to take that next step. And I had a chance to interview his trainer over in uh, Sweden a few weeks ago. And, you know, uh, Daniel Bromberg, you know, he talked to me about, you know, he understands that the lack of consistency and the lack at times of speed is what's hurting Holtz in terms of his, you know, development in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I will also mention that Tom Fitzgerald on a recent episode of Spit and Chicklets kind of took some of the blame for why Holtz was not developing and not getting the opportunities. He said he kind of became a victim of the team's success and that the team exploded so much that he could not keep up and that the, the mistake that Fitzgerald made was leaving Holtz with the Devils and having him sit there for 20 plus games and not play. I mean, it just was a waste of, it was the waste of his time and it was a waste of the Devils time. And so, well, and then when he played, he was buried. They buried him on the fourth line. It's like, and I understand like chemistry is chemistry, but like that doesn't help. I mean, you're seeing, you see it, you see it with the Rangers. Right. Yeah, I I agree. And it's so, I think the big thing for Holtz, this training camp has got to be, he has to take those steps and not just in practice, but he needs to show it in games. Mm-hmm. Whenever he gets a chance to play in the preseason, he has to grab the bull by the horns. He has to basically be the mm-hmm. best player on the ice. He has to make it so hard for the devils not to keep him on the roster. Mm-hmm. That was the thing about Dawson Mercer is that when Mercer came over, he immediately grabbed the bull by the horns and refused to allow himself to ever get sent down to Utica. That's something I think people forget. Dawson Mercer has never played a game in the American Hockey League. No, he's played. He he played what every. He has played every single game that he could possibly play in his first two years. He has played a total of 164 regular season games, and also he has played in 12 playoff games. And he's only this is only year three for him. He has an Ironman streak of his own, which is kind of crazy to think about. But with with Holtz. It's got to be finding that consistency. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned Nolan Foote. This is a guy that has been praised a lot by Tommy Fitz about his physicality. He can bring some offense as well. He's a pretty big kid, six foot three, over 200 pounds as a third liner. And and, and the funny thing is that every time he's been called up, at one point or another, he ends up scoring a goal or getting a couple points here or there. He makes some type of contribution, whereas Holt seems to be a little bit more all offense, and then there's nothing else to really, um, you know, evaluate. So it'll be interesting. And so, again, you have those options in-house. And then I mentioned a a couple of guys as out of, you know, out-of-house options. And what are your thoughts on maybe the Devils taking a flyer on Phil Kessel on a PTO? There's no rumors, by the way, that this is being talked about. But Phil Kessel kind of made it public that he would be willing to take even a PTO and, you know, not play every day if it meant that he could still be playing in the NHL. Because I saw he felt, I saw Phil Kessel kind of fell out of favor with Vegas in their cup run. I don't know if, I don't know why he was kind of scratched some games, but obviously they maybe had some younger guys that could come in and just make a little bit more of an impact. But Phil Kessel can still play. He's not a liability. I mean, it wouldn't hurt as a PTO. It doesn't cost you anything. Like you're just bringing him in on a, tryout i mean if you if you like what he shows you in camp then you give him a roster spot if you don't then you you know say bye and you just you know move on i mean it can't hurt it maybe you know it's one of those things too where you'll see maybe they bring in a veteran guy it pushes those younger guys Mm -hmm. it's like oh here comes phil kessel like this is a guy who's been a proven scorer i mean three times you know (laughs) he's won four stanley cubs like right now like yep. it could it could help push the younger guys. Um, it's not a move that I think can hurt, but it's like you know if Phil Kessel needs a rest, then you throw someone in there. I mean, it right. it can't hurt, especially from a depth standpoint. Like no. you're not signing Phil Kessel to play on the top line with Nico Heischer. Yeah. Like that's not what you're doing. Yeah. So I I don't think it could hurt. I don't think they're gonna do it for a fourth line purpose, but for the third line winger spot, it I don't think that can hurt. Give no. Holtz foot. Clark, maybe some extra juice to, you know, light a fire under them a little bit and yeah. see what happens. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. You, you look at Phil Kessel last year, fun fact, he actually played in every game. He played 82 games last season. Oh, uh, yeah, so he's he great in the regular season. He, he has an Ironman streak. I, I actually don't know off the top of my head how long it is, but, you know, he's 
I think that's something that could be interesting Mm -hmm. to a lot of teams that Phil Kessel plays every game. You know, he's there. And I, and you know, you don't get a lot of guys like that. You don't get a lot of guys that play cross. You know, he had 40, he had 14, not 42. Jesus, that would have been insane. 14 (laughs) goals, 22 assists for 36 points. It's pretty good. And and I mean, if, if that's what he's providing on the third line with the guys like Hola and, and Palat, not really complaining about it. And like he no. said, he said himself that like he's willing to sacrifice this Ironman streak if it means he can still play in the NHL. And as you mentioned, it doesn't really cost anything if we give him a shot. Here's, yeah. a, here's a good example of taking a flyer on a guy and it ended up working out. Go back two years ago. The Devils had Jimmy Vesey come to New Jersey on a PTL. He made a, he he earned a contract at the end of training camp and actually ended up being a pretty productive player for yeah. the Devils in the one year he was in New Jersey before he went back to to New York. Yeah. So th- this happens all the time. There's guys that are going to get signed to PTOs. I'm still waiting for Tomas Tatar to get uh you know yeah, signed that's weird. anything. I don't know if it's the money or anything, but like that's another guy. That we could throw. I mean, I've had many Devils fans say, why don't we just give a PTO to Tomas Tatar? I would feel bad for him if he had to take a PTO to come back to this team. I mean, we know what he can bring to the table. We know that. And, like, he actually was pretty solid the two years that he was in New Jersey. Certainly last year was better than the year before. Tatar was great this year. Yeah, he was. Especially in the playoffs. Very, very reliable very reliable in his own I zones. Remember, like, I remember, like, I don't know if they were kicking the tires out, like Pittsburgh was. But yeah, I don't the, know. the, the I mean, Penguins, it was reported that they were looking for a player like Tomas Tatar, but also thinking about Tomas Tatar. And then I don't know what has happened it, since. I mean, I mean granted, you're, you're spending a lot on Eric Carlson at, just alone. So I don't know how much money really the Penguins have at this actually, point. The, the funniest fact about the trade, I know this isn't Devils related, but the funniest fact about the Carlson trade is Dubis actually saved the Penguins money. I did see that. Yeah, that, is he, that is. he saved the money. I don't know. Like everyone's talking about, I can't believe he's paying. I'm like, he unloaded Jeff Petrie and Michael Granlin's contracts. Like give the guy a medal for doing that. And Petrie's <laughs> not even with the uh, the Sharks. I think he ended up going. I don't he's know. in Montreal, but he's Montreal in, traded him to Detroit. Right. So he's he's just like all over the place. And so, it, I mean, just, they, they, you know, they Tatar's. Have like three, they have like $3 was, million. Dollars. Yeah. So, and, and like with Tatar, you know, a guy that, you know, you can keep your eye on. We'll see how things go. I mentioned Phil Kessel, and I only bring up I only bring up Patrick Kane because a lot of people like to play what we call fantasy hockey. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Um, we're all very familiar with it. I'm going to be in a couple leagues this year. Tommy just finished up a fifth fantasy football league, so you know we we we, we like having fun with this stuff, yeah. um, and. I don't think it's as ridiculous to think about as some people might look at because of a couple of reasons. Number one, again, it doesn't seem like Patrick Kane is going to be available to play until November, December timeframe. A lot of teams are going to look a lot different by the time we get to that point. Injuries, lack of consistent play, line shifting and all that stuff. There might be an available spot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, people have talked about, well, what if you moved Mercer down to the third line and moved Kane up to, if you got Kane, you move him to a second or third line. Not necessarily opposed to it, not opposed to it. Um, he's not very good defensively. As a matter of fact, he's got awful defensively. And the question is, he <laughs> had hip nice. surgery. He had hip surgery. He's 35 going on, I think 36. He's not a spring chicken. But he's still, to some degree offensively, he's still Patrick Kane. And, you know, he had seven points in seven games um, against the Devils. So he was relatively productive in terms of getting points. So there is, I don't want to say that there is a spot for Patrick Kane, but I think the Devils, it wouldn't hurt if they decided that that was the move they made because I don't think they would have to spend very much. Because I don't think Kane would be looking for anything significant um, 
I think he wants to use this year as a prove it year and then become a free agent next season and kind of see where things go. But Tommy, what, what do you think? I, you know, people have been kind of talking about, I know there was a rumor that came out yesterday that said Patrick Kane would be interested in going to the Red Wings. That would be a really, that would be interesting. Very interesting indeed. But you know, what about, what about New Jersey as a spot for number 88? I mean, like you said, like injuries can happen and like, say someone goes on like long-term injury reserve right. that frees up the money. I mean, I don't know what Patrick Kane would be looking at. Um, plus it just, it, it really remains to be seen. Like how good his hip is like Brad Marchand had double hip surgery that like this past summer and then came into the season. And even he said he wasn't even a hundred percent. Like he felt like he was skating through cement by April. So right. you just never know how Kane's going to feel. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, like the year before, like he had such a bad year this year, but the year before he had 26 goals and 92 points. Yeah, this this past year, even with Chicago, he was almost a point per game player. He was just god awful defensively, and you could see he was struggling to skate. Like he moved, like he moved slower than molasses, and he was just like you said, god. He wasn't moving his feet a lot. It was. It seemed like he was doing a lot of gliding. You know what I mean? Like he was just kind of like gliding around, and like it was just it was so funny. Like I mean, it's really not funny, but like watching the Devils Rangers series, it was just like. You saw, like, if he had to defend, like, the Devils just skated circles around him. And you could just tell, even in his exit interviews, that he just was not 100%. But if he is 100%, that's not a bad spot to look. He makes you deeper. He gives you extra scoring. I mean, if you can plug him on the second line, great. If you move Mercer down to the third line, that gives you a lot more depth. It can't hurt. If the money's right. I think right. there'd be so many Devils fans mad if Dawson Mercer ended up on the third line. Yeah, but he's done it before. I mean. He's done it many times. Of, the amount of times that, I mean. And he's a team player. I've no, you, like, you notice it with him. He doesn't care where he's playing. He just wants yeah, he to don't, play. He does not care where he plays. He's going to he's gonna be fine wherever he is. I and think he'll just get that contract fans. extension, guys. Don't, like, don't fret. Like, he'll, get, well, he'll get his money. Well, it's like Andre Palat's only on the third line because they brought in Timo Meyer. That's the only reason. And Palat, and Palat, you could tell he's fine with that. Like it's you know he he's at the point he doesn't have career. to be the prominent guy on this team, and he's getting paid five million per year. Yeah, oh I think God. he's doing. I think he's doing okay, guys. Yeah, he's, I think doing, he's fine. doing fine. I think Patrick Kane. Like I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice necessarily. Like I think it's. I don't think it would be my second choice either. It depends how good he feels. I think like if you really want to go all in on like a cup run and you got some money to spend and he only wants to take a one year deal on a cheaper like AAV for half a season. Yeah, for yeah, exactly, for half a season. If he's not playing till December, you're already almost at the midway point. Right. He would get he would get what a couple of, you know, at least a month maybe, two mm-hmm. months before the All-Star break, get a good look. It can't hurt. Find it can't hurt that if the Devils have like three million to spend, right. you bring them in on a one year. I don't know three million dollars. Like it can't hurt. Yeah. I it's mean, a multitude of different. There's a I multitude of different reasons. Yeah. Um. As to a multitude of different things that would have to happen mm-hmm. for this to make more sense. Now, if you're looking at last year and this was a possibility, no. I think it would be easier for us to say, you know. Why not? But like, I think now when you look at how deep the team is, it's easy for us to be like, where does he fit? Where even does- last year, even last year, I wouldn't have done it just given his hip injury. The Rangers just, just considering it. when you look at it from just the devil's roster perspective oh, and everything yeah, like that, that's kind of what, yeah. I mean, he was mentioned a bunch as, you know, the as a place where he could go uh, to be traded from Chicago at the mm-hmm. deadline. But we all knew, we all knew where he was going. If he was going to get yeah. traded, we all knew where he was oh, going to yeah. go. Um, so, you know, again, just speculation, nothing to report. We're in the dog days of the off season, ladies oh, and gentlemen, yeah. a lot of us, um, media people are just grasping for literally anything we can find right now until training camp gets underway. And so the last thing I want to kind of talk about, well, second, to last thing I want to talk to you about Tommy is this, I want to talk about the defense as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different. We yeah. lost. About 700-plus man games combined with Damon Severson, Mm -hmm. who, by the way, 
threw a very, very nice pitch. Uh, he threw out the first pitch a couple days ago at the Cleveland Guardians game. It was a fastball right down the middle. It was pretty good. Looks better pretty- than Lucas Giolito. That's true. He looked better. He looked better than Carlos Rodon in many ways. So, um, but I'm not a Yankees fan, so I'm enjoying that. That's fair. Uh, and then you have you you know you lose Ryan Graves, who ends up going to the Penguins in free agency. And again, he earned that money. So good on him. And I and I think the Devils knew that they weren't going to be able to retain Ryan Graves. They certainly were not going to be able to retain Damon Severson. And so now you have some interesting. Things number one, the first pairing is pretty much what we expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Dollar on the left, Dougie Hamilton on the right. The second pairing is where things start to get interesting. I think John Marino ends up moving up to that second pairing uh, on the right side. I think he's earned it. He definitely can play those minutes. That left spot on that second pairing, I think most likely is probably going to be Luke Hughes. Could be mm-hmm. Kevin Ball. I don't expect it to be, but I think it ends up being Luke Hughes. And then on that third, this is where it gets really interesting. We kind of have a good idea as the left side. I think Kevin Ball has solidified himself on that third pairing. It's about that right side. Now there's a couple of options. You have Brendan Smith, Colin Miller, and you have Simone Nemich. And it's already been kind of reported from Tom Fitzgerald himself that it's very unlikely that Simone Nemich makes the team out of camp, which is kind of stupid to say now because he's going to training camp. So what is the point then? If you don't think or you don't want him to make the team out of camp, then why bring him to camp in the first place kind of thing? Um, I would expect Nemich to be like the last guy cut. I think he will have some success during the preseason. Who knows? He might be the guy that we don't expect. But I think Colin Miller, personally, becomes the most likely guy to play that third pairing. And I don't have a problem with it. I actually like Colin Miller's defensive game a lot. Mm-hmm. So, overall, the defensive core is going to look different. It might take some time to get used to. And there might be some growing pains early in the season. But, Tommy, what do you see from this defensive core going into this upcoming season? I think you're going to see a little bit of regression. And it's not like bad regression, but it's like you're going to have a rookie that looked very promising in the playoffs next to John Marino. Like, you got the feel of, you know what, that's going to be a good second pair. But you're going to see a little bit of regression maybe on the third pair because whether fans, like, want to admit it or not, like, Damon Severson did a fantastic job anchoring the third pair. It basically was having a top-four defenseman on your third pair. And you weren't going to be able to pay him. Especially the playing... Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he was, was very. Yeah, he, was... he was surprisingly our most reliable defensive defenseman in the playoffs. hundred percent. I totally It's crazy to say it, it, it is crazy to say. And I think fans don't want to like admit that, like he gets a lot of crap for like, and, and some of it's warranted, but I'm like, some of it he, is. he definitely was one of the better defensemen like throughout the year, but you weren't going to pay him, especially as you mentioned <laughs> that log jam on the right side. Right. Your second pair, I think, is Luke Hughes. I, it's his spot. They gave him more minutes. They actually bump, I want to say they did they bump Graves down to make because he played a lot they, with John Marino in the Carolina. Yeah, game. they ended up bumping him down at some point. Kevin Ball started to get a couple of more minutes, and especially with Luke Hughes in the lineup, um, especially game five. People forget Luke Hughes played well over twenty minutes in game five against yeah, Carolina, and he and he played really well with John Marino. And it, it's it's another like complimentary pair where you have like the shutdown guy in Marino paired with the offensive, offensive dynamic guy in Hughes. Exactly, you're gonna Siegenthaler and Hamilton's the same way. You got the shutdown guy with Siegenthaler. I think it's balls locked down the left side. I kind of forgot Brendan Smith is even in our organization to be really honest with you. I don't I don't think he'll if anything he's like the seventh guy. I don't think he's going to get that starting. He might be thrown in say like Colin Miller is I don't know bad, but Miller mm-hmm. is very good defensively and he's been that way his whole career regardless of where he is. Boston, Vegas, Buffalo, Dallas. Right. So to get him it, it's deep and bring up the Tom Fitzgerald interview. I don't know if it's more of like they're not going to give him, you know, like they don't want him to make the team. I think he also said too, like he's in no rush 
like unless he's right. ready, like they're they're like completely fine having him develop, you know, in Utica. And then if he is ready, he comes in and you gave up a fifth for Miller. So it's not like you mm-hmm. sacrifice the farm for a third paired guy. Right. So I think that'll be really interesting too to see what he does. Who knows? He might just turn heads and be like, I'm ready. Like I'm grabbing life by the horns and I'm going. Yeah. You know, so you could see two rookies. And again, there's just growing pains with rookies. It's not always rainbows right. and unicorns. Not everyone can be Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and just everything's just fine and right. dandy, you know. So it'll be different, but I don't think it's gonna be nearly as like egregious as what people might think. Like Graves was good, but I think like knowing you have Luke Hughes, I and, and you have John Marino, so it's like your second pair really I, I personally think the second pair got better. In, in, in really in hindsight and Kevin ball really kind of showed his shutdown ability, his physical mm-hmm. presence, you know, he's kind of like earned that third pair spot. Like, I don't think it's nearly as bad as losing Severson sucks. <laughs> like, well, sucks, you know, we'll see, like, we'll see about that. Cause I, you know, he, it can go either way. I said this yeah. to blue jackets fans. It can really go either way. And he'll I be, think he'll be on that first he, pair. He will be. And I think that's the thing that's going to make devils fans not really cringe because it doesn't matter to us, but also just be like, well, that's a little risky um, considering the type of player that he is. But, you know, we'll see. And I think you kind of, you know, again, you kind of nailed on the head. There will be growing pains with the defensive core. We may get off to a slow start. I think as long as we don't, you know, immediately write it off and be like, well, our defensive core is terrible. Like, you know, like, no, No. we we have to give it time. Especially if you got one, maybe two rookies in the lineup. You got to give it time. You got to give it time and see where things go. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting with the entire team. And the last thing I want to ask you, Tommy, before sure. I let you go, and again, thank you for your time today. No, we thank, really hey, appreciate it. It's simply that. Thank you for this. bringing me on. Yeah, of course. The, the last thing I want you to leave us with is this. Tell Devils fans right now why you should be excited for this upcoming season, 2023-24? I know there's a lot of reasons, too. You've mentioned a lot of them. But what is your number one reason for these fans to get excited for 2023-24? I don't know the age range of people that listen to the show, so whether you were an original from 1982 or you experienced, you know, like me, you were born in the you know early 90s, you, you got to experience, at least from a brain perspective, two of the cup runs, or you're born after 2003 and you've only known everything up until this point. Um, there's just a lot to be excited about Devils hockey. It is not the same. This is not a rebuild. The rebuild's over. The window is opened and it's just cracked open. This team is going to be contending for a while. The window is just opening. This core is locked up for the rest of this decade. It's just a lot of exciting times. You're finally seeing what this plan that Tom Fitzgerald had is put into motion. And it's just exciting. Like the days of being a basement dweller are done. You don't have the Nick Lappins of the world in your top six. It's just a new, it's just, it's just great. Like as fun as last year was, I mean, I'm not saying the devils are going to have another 112, 13 point season. I have no idea. But they're going to be a playoff team, and that's really what it's about. It's not, you know, and that's that's the exciting part is that this team is contending for a Stanley Cup, and players want to play here. This isn't a destination anymore where players are like, yeah, why do I want to go to Newark? Like, people want to come here. People want to – I mean, Thomas Nosek, he's a fourth-line guy, but he said he wanted to come here and try to win. You have T- Timo Meyer openly saying, like, I want to stay here so I can w-. – like, you got guys that want to play here, and as fans right. – just appreciate that, you know, like stuff like this doesn't windows like this don't happen all the time. Like, you know, you nope. saw with Chicago, they had a very short window, but it was great. This is the devil's window yep. and a championship is coming and there's going to be a parade in, in Newark, New Jersey at some point, but just get excited. Just in, enjoy the ride is all I'm saying. Enjoy the ride. Cause you could be, you could be part of a fan base and I'm not throwing shade, but you could be a fan base like Columbus, a great fan base though. That team hasn't done shit. You could be like that. So right. just, you know, just know like the, the painful years are going to be 
just beautiful in the long run. You know, beauty turns, you know, just, it's going to be great. Couldn't have put it better myself. And Tommy, we really do appreciate you taking time to, to join us on this episode. I got man. one question. Go ahead. So it was actually a debatable topic on Devil's Twitter. And it was CJ, I can't pronounce his last name, Turturro or Tutoro or I can't remember, right. I can't pronounce it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah I know CJ, he's he been threw, on the podcast. He threw it out there and it was, it was a huge debate among Devils fans. Mm-hmm. He said the 2023-24 team on paper is better than the 2000-2001 team. Yeah, I saw that. Well, that's, here's the thing. Ballsy. About, that's it, it is ballsy, and I think he makes some good points about you know the team on paper and the ability that this team can do. And obviously, time will tell. We'll see how 23-24 goes. Remember, 2000-2001 was the year the Devils went to the finals and lost in seven games to Colorado. So... You know, you, you, the only way, in my opinion, that I think you you become better than that is by winning the cup. Which oh, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and put and put oh, yeah. all my money on the Devils have to win the cup this year. They don't. They don't. But they need to take another step towards yeah. getting to that championship level. And so we shall see what what happens when we get to that point. But but um, but Tommy, I want to thank you so much for for doing this, man. This was phenomenal. Uh, really do appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'd like to roll out the red carpet and let my guest, let the people know where they can follow you on social media and anything you got going on work-related. So the floor is yours, my friend. So as he's mentioned a bunch, I do have the running with the Devils podcast. It's fun just to join the Devils podcast family. It's just enjoyable just to, you know, you watch the games. And, I mean, if I'm going to tweet about it or talk, like I'd rather just – put it out there you know so you can find me there i'm like neil i'm a solo man it it works though but you can also find me on my personal twitter at tj bennett 37 or you can find me on the runner with the devil's podcast twitter account i'll just be doing more like content stuff just in game tweeting live tweeting just fun Mm -hmm. stuff like that just to try and engage with everybody i'm also with the hockey writers unfortunately not a devil's writer because there's no spots but i do do write about the hurricanes. I do live in North Carolina, so it, it just, it works, but uh, just, you know, excited just to engage with other devils fans and, you know, met Neil along the way. And here we are. Here we are indeed. Well, Tommy, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We do appreciate it. And we will definitely, definitely have you on again as oh, yeah. the season gets underway, but, but thank you so much for your time today, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it again. A big shout out to our sponsors at Horns and Tail Napa Valley. Horns and Tail Napa Valley is the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils and a proud sponsor of the Devils State of Mind podcast, allowing them to bring together two passions, hockey and wine, in an exciting and memorable way. They offer premium, limited production Napa Valley wines. They also have gift options for Devils fans. Their wine club offers a wide range of gift options, including individual bottles, curated gift sets, and exclusive merchandise providing the perfect present for any occasion. Every bottle was created by the team with their winery to honor the history and celebrate the success of the team. Their winery has worked closely with the team to create wines that embody the spirit and achievements of the New Jersey Devils, allowing fans to savor the memories and celebrate their team. Plus, every purchase helps support the Devils Youth Foundation. And if you want to get yourself a bottle of this delicious Devil's Wine, you go to Nap to Horns and Tail Napa Valley, use my promo code at checkout Devil State, and you can get 10% off your purchases. So once again, shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley for being the official wine sponsor of the New Jersey Devils and the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use promo code THPN to sign up. 
New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas City, in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Vold, void in Ontario. See DraftKings.com slash football for eligibility terms of responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. 